Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Gamble on, fellas. Gamble on. Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, U.S. Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by my co-host, U.S. Bets Senior Analyst, Jeff Edelstein. And I'm sure you saw the story, Jeff, about the UConn men's basketball team having to switch hotels in Vegas after arriving for the Sweet 16 because some of their rooms at the Luxor contained, quote, dirt, vomit, and worse. I'm not going to ask you what's worse than vomit. Uh, Anyone can immediately think of one or two things the human body produces that could be considered worse. There's no need for us to name them. But I will ask you this. If Better Collective booked you to stay at Luxor for, say, G2E this year, could you put this out of your mind and stay there? Or is the hotel forever off limits after hearing this story? And bear in mind that almost every hotel room in Vegas is a favorite to have had vomit or worse in it at some point. You think that, or worse, is somebody might may have rummaged to fruition? Is that, is that nice, nice succession reference. Yeah, there'll there'll be probably one succession reference at least per episode for the next ten weeks. So okay. beware of that. Okay. Uh, but I'll tell you, no, seriously, for someone like myself, uh, and if you don't know me that well, I live off anxiety. It's it's the only it's how I get my oxygen. Uh, I haven't found a fear that doesn't live rent free in my head. Uh, it is surprising to report that I love hotels and like these things don't bother me at all. I mean, there's a pile of vomit in room 320. I calmly call the front desk and say, please move me to room 321. And I will immediately put on the slippers provided, you know, <laughs> totally fine. Wow. Not no problem. Yeah. I, right. I, lo- I love a nice hotel. I love a shitty hotel. I love hotels. I love being in a hotel. I really do. All right. I mean, I generally agree about the enjoying getting away to a hotel and being able to not think about, all the horrible things that have surely happened in that room previously. Um, But the the correct answer to my question uh, was simply, I would never have stayed at the Luxor 
even uh, before this. A hotel shaped like a pyramid? Come on. Uh, that's who, a good point. Who, who can who can uh, lower themselves to stay in a place like that? Look, the the truth is, if the company sends me somewhere, I'll stay wherever they want sure, me to stay. Sure. Um, but you know, it, it's hard not to develop a little hotel snobbery once you have stayed in one or two of the higher end Vegas hotels. Um, back in 2005, my first year working for the Poker Magazine. I'd spent the previous seven years working for the boxing magazines that tried to do everything on the cheap, and I'd gotten used to making like $26,000 a year. I was not used to having nice things or being treated well, and the poker magazine put me up at the then brand new Win Las Vegas. I mean, like brand new, like it had opened like maybe two weeks earlier, and I got up to my room, and I called my wife uh, that, you know, my fiance at the time. Uh, I was just like, oh my God, I... I don't feel worthy of staying in this room. It's too nice for me. Um, yeah, since then, I between covering boxing and gambling, I've been to Vegas a lot and stayed at several of the top-of-the-line hotels. And it is tough to go back and stay somewhere crappy. But, um, yeah, you know, I guess no matter how nice the room is, somebody has vomited in there. Somebody has done something worse than vomit in there. There has been lots of rummaging to fruition. All we can ask for as guests is that they clean it up before we check into our rooms. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable request, you know. <laughs> or, like you said, pile of vomit in 320, put me in 321 at least. I'm easy. Yeah. But anyway, n- never staying at a pyramid-shaped hotel if I can help it is the bottom line for me. Is it? Is it just because of this? Is it a shape thing? Is it r- r- memories of uh, you know pre-Passovers or? <laughs> that's it. Yes, yeah. it's my it's my ancestors and what they went through. Sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, I can I can taste the bitter herbs as I step into that <laughs> hotel. All right. Uh, Thank you to everyone for joining us for episode number 235 of Gamble On, the podcast you reluctantly listen to after the podcast you plan to listen to turned out to be covered in dirt, vomit, or worse. If you missed any of our previous 234 episodes, they're all available on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast apps. Please write a review and give us a rating higher than the rating the UConn players gave the Luxor please. Uh, listen, coming up a little bit later in the show, we're going to be joined by our colleague, Mark Saxon, a veteran a baseball writer to talk all things Major League Baseball. And I kind of pin him up against the wall in hopes of him telling me that the Mets are going to win the World Series this year. But uh, before we get to Mark and baseball, it's opening day. Play ball. Let's get to the news. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. We start this week with some positive news on the sports betting legalization front as North Carolina's mobile bill passed in the state's House of Representatives on Wednesday by a vote of 64 to 45 and will next move along to the Senate. And it's worth noting that a mobile wagering bill passed the Senate two years ago and Governor Roy Cooper has voiced support for sports betting. So there's real reason for optimism here. That said, the discussion of the bill on the House floor included some of the more annoying, supposedly morality-based objections we've heard in a while. Representative Abe Jones, uh, a Democrat, by the way, lest anyone think I only pick on Republicans, said legalizing mobile sports betting will bring in, quote, other vices, prostitution, thugs. I don't know. I, I haven't seen a prostitution boom in my neighborhood since Pennsylvania started letting me build parlays on my phone, but uh, maybe I'm just not looking in the right places. Uh, anyway, in other good news, Vermont, the lone holdout state in New England, took a big step toward legalizing mobile betting last Friday when the House there also passed a bill. It still has to go to the Senate and the governor, like in North Carolina, 
and I'll note that there are no casinos in Vermont. Uh, this is strictly for mobile wagering, like in Tennessee. So, Jeff, thoughts on either Vermont or North Carolina, and any pointed comments for Abe Jones before the hookers and thugs descend upon his state? Well, speaking as a bona fide thug myself, uh, <laughs> I'm disheartened to note that the prostitution rate has not soared. Uh, you know, it would help my my thug life situation. Mm, yes. Um, but honestly, Abe, you get, see what I did there? Ah, yeah. Uh, uh-huh. I think he's a little confused. I mean, like if we're if we're really going to break this down, I'm guessing that illegal sports betting is a recipe to like bring thugs into the game, right? Like that's right. you know that's like, and I, I I'm not entirely sure where he gets the prostitutes from, but uh, I mean as far as I can tell, as far as I can see, online sports betting, as you noted, is relatively thugless and it's almost completely prostitutionless. So I don't know where what he's thinking. And you know, as for the legislation, I mean, what do I have to say to this all the time? Just come on, get on with it already, please. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, the the interesting thing with uh, with North Carolina during the House discussion was how legislators kept trying to add amendments, and those amendments kept getting voted down. The most ridiculous one uh, came from Representative Marsha Morey, another Democrat. I don't know what's wrong with the North Carolina liberals. Uh, She proposed a quote-unquote compromise amendment that would prohibit mobile wagering. So her compromise (laughs) was to only allow retail betting, which is already legal and up and running in North Carolina. Thankfully, she didn't get very far with that amendment. But uh, anyway, it would seem likely the Senate will try some amendment shenanigans as well. So my guess is... This does pass this session, but maybe not smoothly, that there could be a speed bump or two. And and as for Vermont, um, so for my boxing podcast, my co-host lives in Vermont. Uh, So so this is great. We talk betting from time to time on the boxing pod, and it's all theoretical for him. So I'm excited for him to be able to start blowing all his podcasting money on boxing betting. And actually, he's a, a huge soccer fan. He grew up in England. So I imagine he'll start betting on that as well. Anyway, the, the word there is that the Senate was actually always a safer bet to support sports betting than the House. So now that it's passed in the House, I would think uh, the people of Vermont should probably be optimistic. Um, they're talking about uh, regulations allowing for two to six mobile sports books. I really hope it's closer to six. Two really isn't sufficient for basic price shopping. It's better than none, of course, but still uh, two books ain't a lot. And if one of them starts limiting you, then you're just about out of options. And, you know, anyone who's been using the offshores is just going to go right back to the offshores. So hopefully they end up with five or six operators. Or, you know, um, because otherwise they're going to the, the, the thugs in Vermont, you know, maple syrup, Sam and the like are going to keep, uh, <laughs> you know, raking in the dough. Yes. I assume you have a thug life tattoo somewhere on your body. Uh, two of them. Oh, all right. I probably sh- shouldn't ask where they are. The first one was I got like in the small of my back. I forgot that I put it there. <laughs> right, you don't see it often, yeah, right? So I got it. It's on my forehead. The other one. <laughs> is it in reverse so that it looks forward on the when you look in the mirror? Half of it is. It's it's a long story. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Let's do a sports story next. Let's talk March Madness. When we interviewed Micah Bedard last week, heading into the Sweet 16, we noted that underdogs and Cinderellas were doing well, but they took it up a notch the next two rounds, leaving us with a Final Four that features a four seed, two five seeds, and a nine seed. And that's good news for the sports books, which mostly don't have a ton of championship liability on these teams. Seems UConn, the best remaining seed, might be a slight loser for some books, but the other teams were hardly bet on, even at long odds. 
while the books get to keep every penny on Houston, Alabama, Duke, etc. That said, nine-seed Florida Atlantic winning would make a handful of bettors many fistfuls of money as they were available for odds as high as 500-1 to pre-tournament. ESPN's David Purdom wrote about better Dave Menashe, who didn't quite get that good a price. But he put $500 on the FAU Owls at 200 to 1, the largest bet on them at long odds that we've heard about. Jeff, any thoughts on the betting action? Have you been watching any March Madness? And does having four long shots in the Final Four make you more likely or less likely to tune in than if a bunch of number one seeds had made it? Uh, you know, I'm sorry. I, I didn't even realize the tourney was still going on. Um, <laughs> I no. guess that's my answer. And a buddy, a buddy of mine actually, he, he had he got his Miami at seventy five to one, so he, he's really he's he's hoping for Miami to pull the uh, upset against Connecticut and carry mm-hmm. on the finals. Okay. So I'm so that uh, my rooting interest lies there now. Okay. Uh, go Miami. I couldn't name one player on the team. In fact, I couldn't name uh, if you gave said name the uh, you know a, a, a letter in one of the players' names. I could guess S. <laughs> You know, and I right. think I'd probably be right. Yeah, you know, little R S T L N E, Wheel of Fortune style. Um, <laughs> you know, the one that's interesting. I, you know, it, you know, all this talk. You know, and you know, we're I'm going to swing off topic for a quick second here okay. about you know, and we'll talk about this in a second about the marketing code AGA and you know, well, you know, colleges and partnerships and yada yada. I really think that when you strip it all away, that college basketball might be the one sport that would suffer the most without betting action. You know, between the the bracket tournaments that everyone and their mother plays, and like I don't know, I just I I I, st- I have a very hard time understanding the draw of college basketball these days. Maybe I'm just like remembering the old days when you had players play for four years, right? So, you know, you could build a rooting interest. I just I don't I don't see the uh, you know the interest. How do you like get behind a team or a player when you know they're only going to be there for a year or two? It just it, or or not at all in some cases. Right. So I don't know. I I feel like sports betting has been a boon. To college basketball. I'd have no nothing to back that up with. It just feels that way to me. Right. I mean, I certainly if banning sports betting included banning brackets, then I, I absolutely agree that without without at least the brackets to be able to do absolutely the the interest in March Madness and in college basketball goes way down. Yeah. Uh, to 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 double back though, to, uh, you, you got me thinking about the R S T L N E. If right. we're guessing names, I don't think those are the letters you want because like J is a very sure. popular name letter, but not a letter you would ever uh, bust out early in Wheel of Fortune. So th- these are true. these are different guessing games if you're trying to guess a name. We're going to need to uh, get our best minds on this. <laughs> I think so. Um, did you did you see uh, that somebody in the work pool has a UConn-San Diego State final? I did not see that. Yeah, that's that's pretty impressive. This, this is one of those years where if you have one team in the final four... And oh, you're you're like, if you're in a smaller size pool, that's it. Yeah, you're probably yeah. winning. And if you have two like this guy, it isn't even close. He, he was way off on the other two regions. Like he had both Miami and FAU losing in the opening round. But it doesn't matter. He got two teams in the final four. Uh, I will say extremely casual college basketball fan that I am. I'm not really watching anymore. Uh, last weekend, if I saw that a game was close in the last few minutes and I wasn't doing anything important, I'd turn it on although although the ends of these games and i know people have been right. complaining about this with basketball for decades but they just take way too long add in all the replay reviews on top of all the fouls and timeouts it's, it's just not that fun to watch i'm convinced that the branding march madness makes some people think the tournament is more fun than it really is i mean it's perfect <laughs> branding right. but 
the quality of basketball that I've been watching, meh. And yeah. uh, and as I have no remaining sweats of any kind, it's quite possible I won't watch any of the final four. I guess maybe if FAU gets to the finals, they're such a Cinderella. I I guess I'd keep an eye on the score and if I'm still awake, uh, watch the end of that game. But uh, otherwise, eh, whatever. My my time is uh, better spent uh, rewatching Succession. I I I agree 100. I I haven't been a college basketball fan since Jim Valvano was running around looking to hug somebody. <laughs> that was the end of it for you, huh? That, that was pretty much. That's that was interesting. That was that was that was the beginning of it for me. That's like the first tournament that I remember uh, really being uh, engaged in. Although uh, that game ended after my bedtime, I was what was that 83? So I was seven uh, that spring. Uh, so yeah, I, I definitely I distinctly remember getting up the next morning and my dad describing what had happened at the end of the game to me. There you go. Uh, All right. On our final podcast of NCPG Problem Gambling Awareness Month, we may as well do one last RGPG story. And the biggest news on that front this week came when the American Gaming Association released an updated version of its Responsible Marketing Code for Sports Wagering on Tuesday. The AGA highlighted the following changes. College partnerships that promote or market sports betting are prohibited. So are sportsbook NIL deals for college athletes. Nobody under 21 can appear in sports betting ads, and the term risk-free is banned. There are others, but those are the main changes. Some states were way ahead of the AGA in putting these prohibitions in place, but the AGA is now formalizing it as national guidance. But maybe the most important thing here is that that's all it is, guidance. The AGA doesn't make rules. It's just telling its members what they ought to do if they want to conform to AGA standards. In other problem gambling related news, the mayor of Washington, D.C., Muriel Bowser, reportedly wants to cut all problem gambling funding. And in Wyoming, one county turned down funds offered to it for problem gambling, saying basically, we haven't seen any gambling problems, so we guess there aren't any. Let's put this money towards something else. Uh, And then there was your column this week, Jeff, in which you broke the news that Good old Harry Levant is getting phone calls from good old Paul Tonko. So lots to choose from. What do you want to talk about here with regard to this rather unsettling moment we're in on the RG front? Uh, to use the parlance of our times, Eric, I, I can't even anymore. Uh, <laughs> you know, the more and more I think about it, the more I write about it, like the, the more irritated I get about it. Um, one of the key takeaways that I wrote about in the, my latest, you know, old man shakes his fist at the heavens piece on this was uh, sports betting is about 5% of the gambling pie in America. Like what we spend our money on it. Online money online is 4%. This is thanks to uh, Eilers and Krychik. They really Smith and Jones would have been better choice for them, but uh, you know, they, they study this up. Now you, you always hear the number 1% of the country has a gambling problem, right? And who knows what that even means necessarily. Like what does it, you know, your gambling problem might look different than my gambling problem, but whatever. Let's say 1% of the nation has a gambling problem. So 1% of the nation has a gambling problem, 5% of the money spent on, on, on gambling is sports betting. So what percentage of sports bettors actually have a gambling problem? You know, and I know this is very unscientific what I'm doing here, but I've been gambling my friends have been gambling. I work in the gambling industry. I, I, I know a lot of people outside of people that I've met or interviewed for this job. I've never encountered someone that has a gambling problem. I have people that maybe enjoy gambling a lot, but a problem. I, no one I know is like ended up on skid row. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, 
all this is very unscientific, and I recognize right. that. But you know, what what is very aggravating is that politicians all over the country falling all over themselves in an effort to do something, and I that's in quotes right there. Uh, <laughs> yes. But you know, in the meantime, sixty three percent of the gambling dollar spent is on casinos. People aren't losing their shirt at the slot machines. You know, where where's the outrage there? You know, 23% of the money is on the lottery. Where's the outrage over scratch-offs? And so I, it's just so disingenuous to me, this, you know, concentrated attack on the new shiny toy. Right. That's it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the key, is that it is the new shiny toy and, and that it has people's attention. It's, it's a new opportunity for the people who have you know, had issues with gambling in the past to highlight sports betting as, as the new thing we need to clamp down on. Yeah. I I hadn't really thought about the, um, you know, going through the people that I've known over the years in gambling and, and how many of them actually had a problem. But, uh, as you were talking there, I thought I, I know one person who had a serious gambling problem who ended up checking into rehab for it and, and, and all that this was a long time ago i won't be naming names or anything but this is you know working in the industry and so other than like you said people that you, you interview for articles who are known to have dealt with a gambling problem and that's like part of why we're reaching out to them uh other than that yeah one person that i know of i'm sure there are others who had some little issues but uh yeah it uh, just on based on our uh, small sample sizes it doesn't seem uh, the 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 scourge that they want to no, portray it to it, be. It's not, and you know, and then you know, as we're talking here, I'm thinking in my in my head, you know, how about you know, they, oh, the commercials, I promise riches. How about every commercial for every stockbroker? You don't see people living in a one room apartment for Charles on Charles Schwab. You know, there these all people living in these like whitewashed houses, and everybody's beautiful, right? And you know, you know, I I wrote about this. Up, upwards of eight percent of people who like invest in the stock market qualify as problem gamblers. Where where is the outrage over these these advertisements of you know E Trade and TD Ameritrade or whoever you know selling this dream that you're going to become rich by investing in the stock market? It doesn't exist. It's so it's so 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 disingenuous. Yes. It's aggravating. It really it it, it yeah. it's it's very aggravating to me. Yeah, and 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 the the phone call detail that you slipped into your column. It, it's a small detail, but but it's an important one it uh, yeah you know it tells us levant has the ear of the politicians and you know a, a keith white gets totally tuned out by a guy like tonko now nobody seems to think tonko's bill banning all sports betting ads has any chance of passing but just the conversation it, it's so headed in the wrong direction i mean you know it, it shouldn't be that hard to understand with gambling comes some problem gambling you know, and whether gambling is legal or not, there's that. But of course, yeah, legalizing it leads to more people doing it. So anyway, with gambling comes some problem gambling. With problem gambling resource and resources and education comes less problem gambling and, and more responsible gambling. And, and yet there are some people who refuse to see that and, and who think the sky is falling. And, you know, th this attitude of legal gambling means everyone's going to lose their house and uh oh here come the prostitutes you know it's sure. it's it's such a shame that so much time is wasted even considering that side of the discussion um the AGA code it's all good in theory uh college partnerships with sports books probably shouldn't be a thing risk free never should have been a thing and and it's good to have the AGA laying that out but there's no enforcement it it's just a code it's a list of suggestions in the end um 
But, you know, there's certainly no downside to them updating the code. I don't know. It, it feels like an out-with-a-whimper way to end Problem Gambling Awareness Month, kind of. Uh, yeah. But, hey, we did our part, Jeff. We uh, did. Gamble on, other than its problematic name, encouraging everyone to keep gambling. This podcast has been pretty responsible, I think. I think so. Well, All except right. one, one quick note, though, before yes. we finish up here. Uh-huh. Uh, generally speaking, uh-oh is not is not is not the usually what somebody would preface here come the prostitutes with <laughs> you're right well hooray is that uh more more likely yeah open the door here come right. the prostitutes <laughs> yeah it's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling let's get to the gamble on interview This is one of the most glorious times of the year. The day this podcast posts is the day the baseball season begins for all 30 teams as MLB has smartened up and is giving us 15 opening day games spread out across the whole afternoon and evening. And we're lucky enough to have on our staff a veteran baseball writer. He's covered the sport for more than 20 years for ESPN, The Athletic and beyond. He is Mark Saxon. Mark, welcome back to Gamble On. Thank you. It is good to see you, gentlemen. On a, are we allowed to say what day it is? Uh, <laughs> Break the illusion that we record the uh, the okay. interview separately from the rest. Uh, it's 1997. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. That's when I started covering baseball. So I feel like that's right in my wheelhouse. Oh, there you go. All right. If it were 1997, we'd all have more and darker hair, but uh, so be. Uh, <laughs> ouch. Ouch. <laughs> So before we get into any specific teams or players or or wagers for this season ahead, I'm curious, Mark, for your take on the rule changes and how they could impact games and lines and betting. We have the pitch clock. We have the banning of the shift. We have the bigger basis. Uh, We can't bet on how long the games will last, uh, but we can bet on total runs and the like. So do you see any of these rule changes having a significant impact betting wise? Yeah, they're definitely going to have an impact. I think it's going to have to shake out a little bit. Like, you know, they ban the shift. So what do we see in spring training? Some of the more analytics-based sort of front offices were putting an outfielder over on that side of the field. So, you know, maybe some of these guys who are extreme pole hitters are still going to have to deal with some defensive, you know, uh, shenanigans, if you will, because – if the guy has no chance of hitting it on the ground to left field, why not take that guy and put him in shallow right field? Right. And so mm-hmm. we're see, you know, these teams are going to try to stay one step ahead. So there's that, but you know, and I think it is worth looking for from a gambling perspective at players who were hurt most by the shift because they're not going to be able to put that extra infielder on that side. And if you look at the way some guys hit now, they, they literally cannot hit the ball on the ground unless it's to that side of the field so it makes sense to do that and it will just have to see the the counter punch um with teams defensively um there will be a few more stolen bases but teams have kind of stopped playing that style of baseball i mean you're seeing the the leader every year is maybe getting 50 when i was a kid you know here in st louis with vince coleman somebody always got 100 right so you see the difference there but yeah it's going to have an impact i I do think we have to shake wait it let it shake out um, and see how that happens. But I definitely get to be a lot of fun to see it happen. The pitch clock, man, for in-game betting, to right. get your wagers in fast because 15 seconds, four, you know, 14 with the guy on. So, it, yeah, it's going to have an impact. Just kind of, I would say wait a little longer. You might get an edge because they're baking all that into these lines at this point. 
That's that's interesting. Bringing up the in-game betting with with the pitch clock because I, baseball was the sport that the in-game betting focused operators always talked about as this is the sport that's made for in-game betting. That's a little tiny bit less made for in-game betting now, would you say? Yeah, although like the you know like if you're let's say uh, simple bet and you're the one who provides most of the you know the the, the machine learning that can immediately update the odds and give you you know good good reliable odds they would claim that if you don't have their technology you can't do it at all right because they have you have to have that ai basically to reset the odds so quickly that you do have enough time to get your wagers in so that'll be interesting to see but it's going to be a challenge for them regardless to make it even that much quicker right if you're shaving as much as with some of these guys we're taking you know 25 seconds you're saving shaving 10 seconds off that's that's significant yeah all right. You know, I, I like uh, I, I don't like betting minus 110 ever. I, I like a nice long shot. I like a nice sweat. Any yeah. uh, any player props uh, or award market props out there that catch your eye that I, I might be interested in anything? Yeah, it's funny. Can I can I can I plug one of our stories upcoming? Yeah, of course. Yes. Yeah. So, well, no, maybe not upcoming. It's going to launch kind of when this podcast is available. One of our uh, staff members, Mike Seeley, took the bold stance that the Los Angeles Dodgers will not make the playoffs. I like that as a that's you know, I don't think it's going to happen. But the thing about this National League and you guys are, you know, fans, I think, Jeff, you're a Mets fan. Eric, you're a Phillies fan. There's some beasts in the National League this year. I mean, there's some teams really going for it between the Padres and the Dodgers out west the three beasts of the East that, you know, we mentioned throwing the Braves in there with your teams. And I think the Cardinals really, I think this could be the best offensive Cardinals team we've seen since maybe 2004 when they had Jim Edmonds and Lance Berkman and Albert Pools and his absolute, you know, prime just busting out as the best player, best right-handed hitter in the game. So you're going to see a lot of run scoring in St. Louis. I think, I think there's some really good teams in the national league. If I were to pick a long shot, uh, team to win the World Series, I would not pick it in the National League. It's too many super teams to get by. I would pick it out of the American League, and I like a couple of long shots that I like are the Angels. I just have this feeling they could they could finally click. When you get the two best players in the game on one team at 45 to 1, that's hard to pass up. They made some incremental baseball moves this offseason instead of the big splash that their owner likes to make that rarely makes sense on a baseball on the baseball side. So I, I like the angels at 45 to one. And I do like the, the white Sox as well at 30 to one um, just because of the level of talent. I just think it's rare to see a team have two entire lineups struggle one year after the next. It, it's just too many of those guys. They're too good to not bounce back to some extent. Too many guys had bad years on that team. Yeah, I love how people always say that the Angels have the two of the best players in baseball. I think a more accurate description would be they have three of the best players in baseball. It just happens to be only split upon two human beings. <laughs> yes. Right. Well, well, well played. Uh, I would say not only do they have two of the best, they have the two best. The two best. Yeah. yeah. I think, you know, I don't even think you could think it's close. Right. Um, the, the talent is just ridiculous. And for them not to make the playoffs is bad for the game. And we could go in that forever. I, Mike Trout needs to be in the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. 
So I, I was going to ask you actually about some of the long shot teams that you like, but you got around to that anyway. So, yeah. so actually doubling right. back to that's all right. Jeff was kind of asking about individual players and, and props and stuff like that. And so talking of trout and Otani, yeah. they're the, they're the short money for MVP. Yeah. Is there anyone a little longer for MVP or Cy Young or anything like that, that really has your eye? Yeah. Keep an eye on, here's a guy, here's a name. And this is, I, 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 I don't even know if he's on the board. If you can find him on the board, I like Dustin May as a potential Cy Young candidate or strikeout leader in the National League. This is a guy with all kinds of stuff who came back last year from Tommy John surgery. He was bad. His command was terrible. And he has admitted that. But you very, very commonly see a pitcher when they first return from major arm surgery having you know, serious command issues. I could see him putting it all together. Similar to Tony Gonsolin, who was on the same staff, you know, the Dodgers guys go away for a while. They go to the little pitching lab and they come out much better, right? <laughs> so the Dodgers have a way of doing that with all their spending on uh, analytics and, and performance and everything else. They have a way of kind of finding these guys' strengths and honing it. I know he's abandoned his sinker for a four-seamer, which is more in keeping with the current style of pitching. Dustin May is an interesting name to keep an eye on. If he's if he's healthy and he looks good early in the season, I would jump on that. All right, just I just looked at only only one sports book that I glanced at here, but they've got him at sixty to one for Cy Young. That that seems like a decent uh, flyer to you. That seems like a decent flyer. Yeah. Now now obviously one little thing goes wrong, he starts having some pain, or he's not, you know. But I would say yeah, that seems like a really good flyer on that talent. I will jump on that all day. Um, obviously, you know. Sandy Alcantara has just absolutely come into his prime. So if you're looking for the chalk, I would go with Alcantara. I just think, you know, there's too many other guys who are the chalk in that conversation who are 35 and up, you know, and while those guys have proven they can do it at that age, just, it's just much more likely that something goes wrong for those guys at that age. I just think I would take the guy in his prime with the, just the high octane stuff. And and I'm seeing actually uh, Otani for AL MVP is only like plus 220 or so. It's unbelievably short. I mean, Trout used to have those prices when he was in his prime. He would open the season around plus 200. Is in Otani, in your view, is he indeed like 30% likely to, to win MVP and those odds make sense? Uh, would, would you even think about betting him at that short a price? No, I wouldn't. I just, I'm like Jeff a little bit, especially with MVP. There's just somebody who comes out of nowhere every year and just reshuffles the deck is as great as Otani is. Can you just count on, you know, the same level of greatness every year? Maybe. I mean, he's different, right? He's just a different kind of, of guy. We haven't seen somebody do this type of stuff before. He just physically kind of dominates the game, but I just think the game now I'm telling you guys, when I started covering it in late nineties, as I referenced, they, they were not as big and strong and fast. There's just so many athletes out there now in the game. You look at, you walk into a clubhouse now, it looks like an NBA clubhouse. The pitchers are all 6'5". They can, they can dunk. They're these, you know, there used to be 5'11", pot-bellied guys throwing 92-mile-an-hour sinkers out there and then chain-smoking after the game. Where are those guys anymore? Where's Rick Russell, man? I miss Rick Russell. Yeah, Rod Beck. You know? Uh, yes. Ray King. I mean, where are these guys? They were great. <laughs> It used to be like you collect baseball cards and you would see these guys and they're just like, you can't believe that, the, you know, they're like golfers practically, you know, right, and, or they, all, and now golfers too are, you know, super athletes. Yeah. What is, what is the new sport for pot-bellied guys? Bowling still allows pot-bellied guys, right? Pickleball, pickleball. Pickleball. Okay. There you go. <laughs>
Let's start a league. I want to be the pot belly guy, not the one who has to work out like that. seriously. <laughs> right. You know, Mark, you mentioned some of these over 35 pitchers. The Mets have a couple. I think they're they're pushing the uh-huh. 80 uh, in Verlander. <laughs> Collectively. Or, Collectively, uh, yeah. Barely. Uh, but uh, no, I mean, I'm, you know, I, every year I, you know, since I've been let down by the Mets, it's, you know, it's a tradition. Uh, what do you think? You know, I, we mentioned how low to the National League is. Where, where do you see the Mets in this National League shakeout? You know, give, give me some give me some hope. They're great. They're right there. I mean, the guy gets all this heat for building this great team, but I mean, why, why, if you're a Mets fan, what do you care? It's not your money, right? Yeah. yeah. um, (laughs) Padres are trying to do the same thing. You know, neither one is like pushed it all the way through, right? It's not like they're the Dodgers or the Braves who are kind of constantly knocking They're They're making their push. That's a great team. I love the balance of contact hitting and power, you know, you know, as sort of exemplified by Jeff McNeil and Pete Alonzo. Um, and then obviously they're just going to keep bringing arms at you. I, Edwin Diaz is going to hurt because they're the kind of yeah. team, again, a closer, if you're a mediocre team, who cares if your closer is hurt? But if you're in a division that tough, you don't want to fall behind even two or three games after April. And if they're having trouble closing out games, that could be an issue. But yeah, there, as long as those two horses stay at the front of that rotation, it's almost impossible for me to imagine them not being in it. It really is. But tough division, right? Every game, yeah. every series is going to be really, really exhausting. And that's going to be a lot of fun. That NL East is going to be a lot of fun. The centrals are just terrible. So you could have, <laughs> you know, nobody's spending any money in the middle of the country. I don't know what that is. Um, I seem, my wife and I seem to be spending a lot of money, but nobody else. <laughs> um so anyway, and then out west you have those two behemoths. So it's really the National League is is absurd this year. It's just really sick. Yeah, yeah. I think Jeff and I both, as Mets and Phillies fans, it's uh, not pleasant having the Braves in our division because on paper I think they're the best team in the National League, maybe even in all of baseball. I guess I guess it's hard to put anyone ahead of the Astros and still someone until someone proves it. But I mean, the Braves are really loaded this year. It feels I- like. I still wake up in the middle of the night sometimes just reflexively booing Chipper Jones. I don't I can't. <laughs> hasn't stopped. Larry, you mean? Larry. <laughs> nice. uh, all right. Let's uh, switch to a, a different, uh, quick, uh, separate topic here to, to finish on, Mark. Uh, but, it, but it stays with the, the Mets theme of, uh, of talking New York, sort of. Uh, you cover New York State gambling for us, and you've been in frequent touch with Joe Adabo's office about his New York I Casino bill. He said repeatedly that it's a matter of when, not if. Mm-hmm. The when won't be 2023. Do you have a sense of how optimistic he is that it will be 2024? Or, or is there a good chance New Yorkers are still waiting several more years for, for online casino and online poker? You know, I think if you listen to Joe, you'd say, oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a slam dunk next year or close to it. Um, because like in his analysis, it's just absolutely a win for the state. And he he really bemoans this he you know this cited number of a billion dollars a year that's going to jersey you know delaware uh pennsylvania uh and the black market and he laments those tax dollars that they're missing he thinks they're you know they'd be crazy to let it go another year but what are we seeing you know in the northeast and nationally now we're seeing a little bit of pushback on gambling in general right they're cracking down on regular on advertising and so the question i think is can he line up another enough other political leaders? You know, he's also lamented, I can't be the only one doing this, right? Right. 
there's got to be some appetite for it. And I think that's what, a little bit what, what's unclear right now. And what could set the tone for that is kind of the, the mainstream media coverage of the gambling industry going forward. We've seen these really negative pieces that have caused all these political leaders to go, wait a minute, you know, I better not be on the wrong side of this thing. Should we be pulling back or expanding? And Joe's, you know, in that case, looking to expand with iCasino. So I would say if I were to handicap it, I think it could be a tough go again next year. I just think we could see some of these same forces still at, 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 on the loose. Now, if that calms down and people see, yes, it's working and we've got the problem gambling under control and all the rest of that, then I think you'll start seeing some forward motion. But, you know, the governor really sets the tone on that. And when she didn't really when she didn't project casino revenues until 2026 and when she had no mention of iCasino in her executive budget, I think that kind of killed the uh, enthusiasm for it. All right, a little bit of too much of a downer note to end on. We have to end on a high note. Promise Jeff, guarantee Jeff, the Mets are winning the World Series this year as we wrap up. Jeff, I will guarantee you. <laughs> I will guarantee you. And mark this down. You can. I will streak through the through wherever town square you live in. The Mets do not contend this season for a World Series. For the sake of for the sake At of Central point. New Jersey, I, I for the sake of the eyes of Central New Jersey, let's hope the Mets contend, Mark. Okay. <laughs> very, 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 very smart. Well, I think it's going to be a fun season for all of us, and all of our teams will be at least in the hunt, and uh, I'm just excited for baseball to start. So uh, thanks so much for coming on the podcast again, Mark. I'll mention to everyone, you can follow Mark on Twitter, at Mark A. Saxon. Uh, play ball, Mark. Thanks for coming on Gamble On again. Best time of year. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. Two men. Two men. $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. Let's update our betting bankroll, and uh, this was something of a roller coaster. We started the week off very well with the Florida Atlantic bets in the Sweet 16. Uh, I had them getting five and a half points. We won $100 there, and we had a small $40 money line bet that turned in $82 profit. Then my boxing bets didn't go so great. Uh, I went one for four. I got very lucky on the bet that we won. Chris Colbert did not deserve the decision over Valenzuela, but the judges gave it to him, so we won 50 bucks. Very lucky. A little unlucky on a couple of the others. We had plus 575 underdog Abel Ramos to beat Cody Crowley. He came close, lost a majority decision. We lost $28. I had the right winner but wrong method of victory in Jesus Ramos versus Joey Spencer. Ramos won by stoppage in the seventh. It was a total blowout, and uh, we needed it to go the distance. Lost $50 on that. And then the main event, we had Benavidez by KO in rounds 9 through 12. He really seemed to have Caleb Plant on the brink of a knockout in each of those last four rounds, but couldn't finish the job, won a unanimous decision, we lost 50 bucks. And lastly, the four-team XFL parlay, because when the previous week's three-teamer doesn't work, try a four-teamer, right? Uh, It started off well. Uh, You won with Seattle and St. Louis, Jeff, but then Arlington lost and ended our parlay, and the once-mighty Roughnecks lost two for good measure. So we dropped $100 on that, which means for the week, are you ready? Mm-hmm. We turned a profit of $4. Hey, it's a start. <laughs> Want to give me the Rocky speech, Jeff, about this being the greatest day of your life other than your kid being born? Not today. Okay. Anyway, those extra 4 bucks mean we're now down by $2,224. 
We also have 1,040 on holding futures bets. So that leaves us with $6,736 available to bet with this week. And I'm up first, and I'm just going to copy-paste my MLB futures bet from the Staff Picks article that Mr. Saxon compiled that ran on U.S. Bets. That bet was Corey Seager to lead the league in hits at plus 6,000, 60 Mm. to 1. He faced the shift on 93.4% of pitches last year and was estimated to have lost 26 hits to the shift. The next highest number in the league was 14. I do expect teams will do the thing Mark talked about with the left fielder just behind the dirt in shallow right. But still, Seager should get some hits back. And more to the point, he'll try less to hit for power. All that shifting turned him into a walk-strikeout-homer guy. He hit 245 with 33 homers last year after previously being a 300 career hitter. He hit 400 in the preseason that just ended. That's good. I think if he stays healthy, he has a shot at leading the league in base hits. Yeah, maybe like a one in 30 chance or something, but he's priced more like the 245 hitter he was last year than like a serious contender. He's 60 to one. So let's fire at it. 20 bucks to win a fat $1,200. I like it. I like it. Uh, Okay. This is the worst bet ever made on this podcast. (laughs) Wow. All right. (laughs) I can't wait. The, uh, The odds are so pitiful. All right. Today opening day uh-huh. DraftKings is offering odds on a no hitter being thrown. Uh-huh. What do you think the odds are? Well, I saw your tweet about uh-huh. it. So, well, <laughs> so the, you'll just have to reveal to the listeners. The odds are 2,500 plus 2,500, which uh-huh. indicates a like near 4% chance of a no hitter being thrown, which <laughs> indicates that a no hitter should be thrown once every 25 games. Right. Uh, well, we have 15 opportunities. I don't know quite how the math works out. I don't All think right, that's so, right, but no, still. No, you're right. So 25, <laughs> so, but once every like 375 games. Right, sure. Multiply it out. Right. Not That's not how it works. I mean, in the history of Major League Baseball, it's roughly one and like, you know, 13 every 10,000 games, you know, 1.3 every 1,000 games. Okay. These odds should be at, 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 at worst, should be like plus 7,000 at right. worst. Yeah. But they're plus 2,500. But I like no, <laughs> my favorite part of baseball. I really not, nothing gets me more excited than like a, a no hitter. So I'm going to put $10 on it just for fun. <laughs> okay. So That's, 10 bucks to win. Yeah. It uh, gives us 250. Okay. Yeah. I, it's uh, a horrible bet. It's the worst bet ever, but it just gives me, it just ha- think how much fun this will be if later on this afternoon we're going to the ninth inning and, you know, the, the, somebody's got a no hitter going. It's right. fun. We got all the aces going today. It's yeah. cold outside. I don't know. I That's bet. true. That's true. It's uh, and and I assume that a uh, collective no hitter by multiple pitchers would Counts. still count. Yeah, so, um, well, it could have been worse because when you started talking about it, and, and I had seen the odds, I was a little worried your terrible bet was going to be betting against the no hitter. Uh, <laughs> what is that minus? 20,000. Yeah. yeah. So I don't want you risking $2,000 of our bankroll to win 10 bucks. So uh, I guess this is better. I can live with losing $10 if this doesn't pan out. Yeah. 10 bucks. I mean, this is, this is fun money right now. Right. This is, this is, this is using our fake bankroll in a fun way. All right. Now let's say that it's the Mets entering the ninth inning, getting no hit. You're fully rooting for them to get no hit on opening day at that point. I don't give a shit. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) <laughs> this is fake money. So I don't, uh, whatever, uh, yeah, but yeah, so I'd be rooting for the Mets to get no hit even anytime, really, just because I, uh, I, uh, no you love a no hitter that much. I, lo- all right. I love a no hitter that much. All right. Uh, all right. My uh, second bet here is another futures bet. Uh, Marlins under 76 and a half wins. 
I heard a podcaster from Unabated who seemed to know his stuff state this with massive conviction, saying people are way overrating the Marlins. He thinks they're like a 70-win team. Their lineup sucks. I really can't recall most of his logic, but it was making a lot of sense. Uh, and he was really, really passionate about it. And uh, hey, I'm a Phillies fan. You're a Mets fan. We can find common ground rooting against the Marlins. And since it's a season-long bet, it's silly to sweat 162 games for the usual $110 or whatever. So I'm thinking, let's go two and a half units, just enough to make me care and check the check the box scores. $275 to win 250 Marlins under 76 and a half wins. All right. I like it. Uh, I am going to go with a five-team money line baseball parlay because those always hit <laughs> always. Uh, every time. Uh, <laughs> but it's uh, it's fun. And so we are going to go. We're going to put ninety-six bucks down to win a thousand. Okay. Plus nine forty here. All today, the Braves, the Reds, the Orioles, the Angels, the Rays. Got it? Uh huh. I think I got it. Braves, Any- Reds, Orioles, Angels, Rays to win ninety-six to win a thousand bucks. Plus nine forty at DK. What could go wrong? <laughs> Was there was there a game among those that's like jumping out at you as a, as a, as a, or was just you're you're throwing five darts at the board and those are the five teams you hit? No, I mean I looked at them all. I mean you know you know opening day aces on the mound you know right. bad teams. I don't know. I the one minor upset is the Orioles over the Red Sox I guess. But I don't know. okay, all right. I like I like them all. So I, I actually put my own, I put five dollars my own money on it. So that I have real money on this one. Okay, maybe I'll do the same. Just for fun. Why not? Um, so my last bet that I just gave out was stolen from some baseball podcaster whose uh, name I don't even remember. But this last one for me this week is mine all mine, uh, a, a boxing bet that I love. Uh, Saturday on ESPN, a crossroads fight. Prospect Rabisi Ramirez versus ex-title holder Isaac Dogbay. Ramirez was a heavily hyped prospect who lost his pro debut a few years ago, which that does not happen with heavily hyped prospects who are matched very carefully in their first fight. But he's bounced back. He's won 11 in a row since. He's obviously good. I'm not convinced he's more than good. And uh, Dog Bay, he's solid. He only has two losses, both against Emmanuel Navarrete, who's a top guy at featherweight. When I heard about this fight, I thought, great matchup. Great crossroads fight. Really interesting. Very even. But it turns out FanDuel has Dog Bay at plus 520. I would think he has good value at plus 200. He's more than just a live underdog. I I think he's 50-50-ish. This fight could go either way. Let's hope it goes Dog Bay's way and bet 50 bucks to win 260. All right. You know, speak, I, my next bet actually is is a little bit of a 50-50 coin flip in my mind as well. Uh, not as good odds, though, however. Okay. So I am going to go. This is an NFL draft bet. Cornerback uh, Devon Witherspoon. of He plays college for somebody. Illinois. Uh <laughs> But as I'm going to say, at plus 175 for 100 bucks is the first cornerback off the board. Uh, the, his competition is Christian Gonzalez of Oregon. Uh, and all the mocks that I see, it's like they, the flippy floppy. You know, one, it, it, there seems to be no rhyme or reason. So I, I think, and it, it's tightened up also. You know, originally Witherspoon was probably like 250 a month ago. So people are seeing that. And so at once plus 175 of what I think is a coin flip, why not? All right. And and Witherspoon is undeniably one of the one of the most fun names to say in, in all of sports, whether you're talking about terrible Tim Witherspoon terrible or, Tim. or or, you know, pivot slightly to a Clarence Weatherspoon uh, from basketball in the, in the 90s. It's it's just a fun name. It rolls off the tongue. So uh, you're right. 
is it Devon Witherspoon in this case, you said? Devon Witherspoon. All right, he's our guy. And uh, that'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks to everybody out there for listening, and thanks again to this week's guest, Mark Saxon. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and Jeff at Jeff Edelstein, and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling, and subscribe to this podcast on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else. And with that, Jeff, please take us out. You know, normally I use a space to get angry about something, but it's it's opening day. It, it, you know, despite the fact that I'm not the baseball fan I, I was when I was a kid, and I, it's still like the high holy day of the calendar here. And I, I it, it just it always kind of brings me back to the, like time when I was a kid. I was that kid. I knew like every stat. You know, I stratomatic baseball. I played like it was my job. I mean, hours a day for years. I would play this with friends, solitaire, like you know. I would read Baseball Digest. I'd go to the library. I'd get old issues of Baseball Digest. <laughs> Xander Hollander's Complete Handbook of Baseball. Shout out if you remember that. I mean, all I did was live and breathe baseball. And and really, I, I have no one but to thank but my dad. So it was summer of 79. I was seven and a half years old. And my dad says, we're, I'm taking your first baseball game. And we go out to Shea Stadium. They were playing the Braves. I remember it like it was yesterday. Joel Youngblood became my favorite player. Mm. I'll never forget this tall, lanky guy sitting in the box seats. You know, there was like 3,000 people at Shea for this afternoon game in August of 79. Uh, the guy must have, you know, he, in my in my mind's eye, he was like minute ball. He was so tall and thin. <laughs> and he was drinking Budweiser Tall Boys and screaming at Frank Tavares, the Met shortstop. You're a bum, Frankie. You're a bum. <laughs> and it's so quiet. Frank Tavares could hear the guy, like clearly right. could hear the guy. And that it that was it. I, I fell in love with all of it that day. And so thanks, Dad, for taking me, A, to a baseball game, and B, to a Mets game. Thank God I'm not a Yankee fan. I, would, I don't know how people live with themselves <laughs> being a Yankee fan. But it, it, crea- it, it started me on this path of really direct line to where I am today, right now, talking to you. You know, my dad doesn't take me to that baseball game. I think my life goes down a, a wildly different path. So thanks, Dad. Thanks, Joe Youngblood. You're a bum, Frankie Tavares. Gamble on.